Welcome to day 323 of Shaped by the Word, season two, the drama of Scripture. And of course, the drama is deeply rich as we read through the book of Acts. Uh, Luke moves us in rapid succession, much like he does in his gospel, you know, from one event to the other. And when we read it, we're absolutely astounded at what God is doing through his spirit in order to form the church. So the early you know, chapters of Acts are largely about what God has done through the apostles. Uh, Peter and John have taken a central role. And then there are uh, people like Stephen you know, and uh, uh, Philip you know, who were chosen by the church, who God is ministering through. And so we come to this you know, curious figure of Saul uh, who is approving the stoning of Stephen last time we, we saw him. And so there'll be a dramatic change in the, in the drama of Acts as Saul comes to know Christ in, in, in a dramatic way, and it changes the course uh, of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So we're reading in Acts chapter 9, and the heading reads Saul's conversion. Uh, before we read, as always, we, have, we realize what a privilege it is to hold these words in our hands because they're breathed out by God. They're his gift to us to reveal his heart and character to us, to invite us into the story that is a continuation uh, you know, of, the, of the book of Acts. Uh, we're part of a group called Acts 29, and most of you who count chapters know, wait a minute, <laughs> that's not a real chapter. But there are chapters, not of Scripture, uh, yet to be written, but mm-hmm. there are chapters of God's work among His people through His church uh, that continue today in vivid detail. So before we read, let's, uh, let's pray. Katie, you mind lifting us not up? At all. Father, thank you for the gift of your word. Um, such a good reminder that, that this is such a gift, um, that we, we get to read these words, um, these accounts of what really happened, what you have done, um, that still affect us today because your spirit, um, brings them to life. And, um, God, thank you for, for giving us, um, the gift of your son. The ways that you have revealed yourself to us are just unfathomable. And we're so grateful that our God isn't a God who created and then just left us alone, but you continue to walk with us. And so I pray that you would um, guide us as we read today, um, guide us as we go about um, our day. Lord, I know just thinking about when people will listen to it, uh, to this, it'll be on a Monday um, with a new week beginning. And so I pray that you would focus our hearts, focus our minds to hear your word and um, that we would be changed by it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And of course, Katie did not mean to imply that we're not doing these things every day on the day <laughs> immediately for you. So that's freshly coming from us to, to you. <laughs> Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, uh, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. 
In a vision, he had seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among all those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him, but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him, but his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told him how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he preached fiercely in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with him and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. The church throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria, enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit that increased in numbers. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About ten times, she became sick and died. Then her body was washed and placed in the upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with him, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and the outer clothing Dorcas had made while she was still with him. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. And then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with Tanner, with a tanner named Simon. We have an incredible story of the conversion of uh, you know Paul or Saul. Uh, he was later be known to the Gentiles and you know as as Paul. And, of course, a nice, uh, beautiful picture of uh, this woman named Dorcas or Tabitha, which uh, means gazelle. And obviously, you know, from the Old Testament poetry, uh, you know, there's a symbol of beauty and of elegance. 
And uh, not only was she, you know, maybe you know beautiful and elegant on the outside, but she had this incredible love for God's people and mm-hmm. incredible acts of you know kindness and goodness. So it's just a, it's a great chapter all the way, all the way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to love the fact that Paul is only in Damascus for a few days, and by the end, he already has followers yeah. uh, that lower him in a basket. So, what are some of the things that stand out as we read uh, in a chapter nine in our journey through uh, the book of Acts? The thing that stuck out to me more than it ever has is the irony that Paul is going to Damascus to imprison believers of Jesus, followers of Jesus, and he leaves Damascus because he is being persecuted the way he was planning on persecuting when he went. So it's like he comes into Damascus totally against Jesus and he is leaving Damascus not only for Jesus and bringing people to believe in Jesus, but being chased by the same people that were on his side before. I mean, that is that shows a complete change by the work no. of God. Mm-hmm. And, it, and of course, this is one of the more you know dramatic pictures of conversion you know in mm-hmm. in scripture. But it's uh, nonetheless not that much more dramatic than what happened to us because what we once were, we no longer are. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, Paul would able you know be able to tell us, yeah, you were enemies who have been you know transformed you know to be the children of God. And so, conversion does you know for us every bit is dramatically what it did you know for the apostle paul it changes our orientation completely Mm -hmm. and uh, no matter you know what you know we what we valued and what we treasured and what we uh, bound our identity up into once we came to know christ uh there's a complete change in who we are and what we value Mm -hmm. and uh, you see it dramatically in him but no less dramatic every time uh, God works in someone to bring them to Christ. Now, and you don't see, you know, Jesus showing up, you know, in front of Saul and, and saying something in regards to, hey, you, Saul, you want to just say this prayer and we'll get you to heaven one day, man, you know? But yeah. he, he actually, I mean, the invitation, and even later when Jesus is telling Ananias, like, no, actually, I'm going to use him. He's going to be my vessel to proclaim the name, my name to the Gentiles. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name you know like that's a very different that is invitation a, uh, that is a terribly poor marketing yeah technique. like that's not what we usually talk you know, about let's uh you know but call yeah. paul you know call salt yeah. to ministry and let him it's know that wild. this is involves you know, involves suffering mm-hmm. and uh, of course you know that uh, we've gone through the gospel of luke you know we, we've seen that there is an invitation you know to deny oneself and to take up one's cross and there will be a challenge from the world around you and uh, you know, suffering is not necessarily the hallmark of our Christian faith, but it is uh, as something, you know, as, as, as people who are redeemed and uh, reconciled to God in a broken world, uh, we will be in conflict with the world around us, and we will be conflict more than anything else with any of our souls. And, mm-hmm. and we ought to be prepared for the ragged edges, you know, of, of living in this world. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you know, in the same way that, None of our conversions were as dramatic as Paul. Hopefully our suffering will not be as dramatic as Paul, but there is no guarantees. You have to love Barnabas. You know, we're going to meet him more and more um, throughout Acts. But, you know, the church in, the church is scared. They're, they're not willing to accept Paul. You know, they're, they're saying, man, we've heard about this guy. We know his reputation. And Barnabas brings him in, welcomes him, says, no, the Lord has done something in him. And, and just that welcoming, you know, that, that Barnabas has for um, for Saul and, and bring him into the church. And, and then I love the note 
you know, it says that Paul or Saul, you know, stays there, he talks, debates, moves freely throughout the city. Um, but the marker that, that we get of the church, kind of these two marks where it says, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. You know, you have to love those two marks, mm-hmm. you know, that they were living in the fear of the Lord yeah, and encouraged and deep by awe the of who God is and uh, full of the Holy Spirit. You know, mm-hmm. it is a, a beautiful, it was a beautiful marker. It's also a bit ironic, uh, you know, that once Paul left, uh, everything got, uh, <laughs> yeah, that guy. And I know a lot of people feel that way about another Paul they know, but. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Isn't this like, would this be um, kind of a note from Luke saying, like reminding the reader that that mission, when Jesus said um, that my message, the gospel will go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all yeah. the earth. Is that from Luke kind of saying that what Jesus said is going to happen is happening right before our eyes type yeah. of thing? And, and you'll see that rhythm in Acts. There, there, there's a rhythm in Acts will describe the hardship the church is experiencing, but at the same time, the growth that it's experiencing. Mm-hmm. So the two things are happening simultaneously. There are challenges, there are hardships, and there are difficulties, but God through his spirit is continuing to work to grow them and to and to grow the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, why don't you close us with a yeah, word of prayer? Let's pray. Father, what a wonderful passage of Scripture, what a great testament um, to, to your, uh, your desire and your ability to call us to yourself and to make us your own, and, and how when you do call us to yourself, um, it's a call to die to ourselves, to live for you. Mm-hmm. We thank you how we see that here in the life of Saul and Father, we ask that in your grace, um, for your glory, we would see that as well in our own lives. Um, we pray us all in the name of Jesus. Amen.